Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the radio ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking to Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian. In the last few weeks, we were doing a series about God's will and Christian liberty. We're going to take a little break from that just to really focus in on this idea that there's some perfect will of God out there that we have to discern and that we need to train ourselves to rightly hear from God to figure out that perfect will. So where does that idea come from? Well, it's been wrong for a long time because people say so. Well, if you read church history, there's always people who were pious and they claimed God told them this and God told them that. And certainly you have Roman Catholicism with their extra biblical revelations. And then in evangelicalism, it's been around as well, too. And a lot of the different movements were started by leaders who claimed God told them various things. And it just became part and parcel of evangelicalism. And then there's a misinterpretation of Scripture that arises around the idea that there's this third will of God, if you want to call it that, beyond God's moral will and God's providential will. It's God's perfect will that's only accessible by hearing from God directly. It's tailored to the individual. It comes from God, and you have to somehow hear it through some inner voice or some idea that God told me this or that in order to find this perfect will of God. That's been around. When I was a new Christian, that was continually discussed, and I didn't question it. I assume that's the way it was. You have to find out what God's telling you to do. Right. I just earlier this morning was discussing this idea with somebody on Facebook who had an Elizabeth Elliot quote about how we need to find out if we're really correctly hearing from God. And it's just everywhere. Right. And we did that series on Kundalini Yoga. It is ironic that in paganism, there's a huge process for people to get their minds still so that somehow God comes and they get in touch with God. Well, evangelicalism has its own version of that, of hearing the voice of God. And a lot of times the leaders end up having quite a bit of power and authority by getting people, at least whether intentionally or not, to think that they're uh, really good, they're really pious because they're guided. And so when I was in that group that we've talked about, that hyper-pious group uh, back in the 70s. One of the things that gave the leaders the status that they had was what I called miracle guidance stories. Okay. And the guy in charge of our group had a whole batch of those, and he'd bring them out at various places he spoke, and it made everyone in awe of him. And so he would, one example that I heard was he was going into a bank and He saw a lady in there, and he said to her, or he said, well, God told me to ask her for $10,000 to start a ministry. Oh, wow. And so he says, God told me to ask you for $10,000. And she said, oh, well, I thought I should give some money to God. And so she gave the guy $10,000. And then 
that story was oft repeated. And then other ones happened where this ministry got bigger and bigger because people would give massive amounts of money to this guy. And he had all these, what I called miracle guidance stories. Go here and ask this guy that. Go there and do this. And so he had those stories. Other leaders had those stories. And the more big and powerful the story was, and some of the big groups out there had those stories. YWAM, their whole thing was a huge miracle guidance story by their leader. Right. It was telling about how God told him this and God told him that. So it wasn't just the group I was in. Everyone had their miracle guidance story, and that's what made them really a great leader because God told them to go, go do some grand thing, and it worked out, and therefore here we have this ministry. And so then the rest of us, if we wanted to be important, we had to figure out how to get our own miracle guidance stories. God told me to go here and there, and lo and behold, here was somebody, and here's what happened, and so some great thing happened. And and if somebody didn't have any of those, the implication was, whether stated or unstated, they weren't hearing from God, and they really were probably rather deficient in their Christian walk. Oh, dear. What what a way to heap guilt on believers, too, for something that's not a sin. uh, Frankly, that's true, and that's part of the reason... I did all this study and wrote this article, Issue 75, that we've been discussing. And I explored this a lot when I was in seminary. When I was in Bible college, we just took it as a given that you heard from God and you got revelations. And then when that group I was in was the same way. But it took me a lot of years to start looking at the bad fruits and thinking, how come these hotshot people of God that we're supposed to give our money to had all these grand stories and then the rest of us just kind of went through ordinary life and didn't necessarily have anything that important where we got a revelation from God. And then I started questioning the whole thing. A guy, as I mentioned, I think before, but if I didn't, I will now. A guy wrote a book in 1980 that really questioned all of this and it was called Decision Making in the Will of God by Gary Friesen. And it was re- published with some additional material, I think in 2004, I have a copy of it, fairly thick book. But he goes through all of the proof texts they use and really debunks this whole idea of this third will of God or this perfect will of God. Now there's also a Bible verse that's used, that at least was used back when I was hearing this. And it was Romans 12 too, was used to suggest that there's some better will of God than what we're used to, and we need better find out what it is. All right, let's read that. Okay, Romans 12, 2, reading from the New American Standard Version. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And the way this was taught, back then the King James was the one everyone used, and I don't know if it's that different, but some teachers, and I heard this, said, well, there's the permissive will of God, which is okay. God will let you do it, and that's good. Okay. And there's an acceptable will of God that's either good or a little better, and that's acceptable. But then what you really want, if you're really a great man of God, which is what they were 
terminology they use, then you would know the perfect will of God. Ah, that must be for the higher order Christians. Well, they didn't say it that way. It took me, uh, you know, probably a good decade to figure out that's what they were really saying. Yeah. They were saying that's what God intended all Christians to have, but most people never get it because they just, through ignorance or unbelief or failure, they never get it or they just weren't taught well enough. So those that just can't figure it out, then, well, it's okay, but it's not. You missed yeah, out on not, something great. You to go about ordinary life. If you want to be a higher order Christian, you better find out the perfect will of God. Well, I started questioning that whole thing, as you know, and that's why we started CIC, so I could write articles refuting a lot of the false things I'd heard over the previous uh, 20 years before I started writing these articles. Yeah, and, yeah. But there was the idea of the perfect will of God. Now, Gary Friesen in his book, you can still get it. I got one used on the Amazon. I think it's still out there. Decision-making the will of God. But he called it the dot. And he has illustrations in the book, like here's this parameter, but in the middle is the dot. And okay. you hit the dot, then you're really in the center of God's will. And that's okay. what- That's the bullseye? Yeah. Great things are going to happen. Well, the Gary Friesen went through all the proof texts that different ones used and one by one showed that they really didn't say what the different teachers were claiming they said. Okay. And so let's look at this Romans 12.2, where we get the idea of the good, the acceptable, the perfect. Let me tell you what the truth is. The truth is good, acceptable, and perfect are all modifying the same thing, the will of God. Okay. So what you're proving is what the will of God is, and the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. And all three modifiers are not different versions not of the will of God. three different options. Yeah, it's three ways of describing that one will of God. And really, uh, as we've given these categories in this series, what this is is the moral will of God revealed in the Bible. So then it's not even talking about these normal day-to-day decisions that we might make or what job I should get or what car I should buy. Or even the big decisions like where, whether or not to go to Bible college and go into ministry or right. whether to be a missionary. It's not talking about that at all. It's talking about the moral will of God that applies to everyone because it's binding because it was given by Christ and his apostles. Okay? So the will of God here is God's moral will that's revealed in scripture okay and so all these adjectives good acceptable and perfect modify that same will of god proving now how do you prove this proving in this case is thinking and living according to what god has revealed as true okay the way we prove it isn't to get a revelation and then go out and see some great thing happen because we heard from God. Okay. It reminds me. When I was in that charismatic group, there was a Christian community where you were a little girl when we were in there. Right. Um, the leader said over and over again the same thing to top, the guy that founded the group. He said, the one who hears from God has the authority. Wow. That was his claim. And he said it, I, I've heard it dozens of times. And so then whoever was best at getting revelations 
was the one who had authority. So these words were actually binding authority for all of us who were living there. So if he came through and said, well, God told me this, then we all had to take action based on his revelation. Because by definition, because he had more miracle guidance stories than anybody else, we had to wait to verify whether these things are true or I, I think it's rather got a lot of gall to walk up to somebody and ask for $10,000, you know? Right. But nevertheless, we had those stories. And so by definition, he heard from God. Well, then some things happened where the actual will of God became clear. And this is what helped me think about these categories. Okay. For example, that group was not a nonprofit. It was kind of flying under the radar. We're doing ultimately millions of dollars worth of business. And the Attorney General of Illinois found out that we had a ministry center there and all this money was being used. But what, nobody knew where it was, what it was, where it came from. Oh, no. And, and so the guy took action and said, well, if you're going to function, what are you doing? We said, well, we've got ministry centers. That's what the leader said. And we're helping people. And we were. We'd help anybody for free. We, had, we were very charitable. And he said, well, then you've got to be a 501c3. I mean, if you're not a charity, I don't know who's a charity. Right. And, and so that's how it became a 501c3. But in order to be that, because they forced the group to do that. Well, then to, to do that, you had to have a constitution of bylaws. So they created that. And then the permanent staff, which I was one of, were the voting members. Okay. All right. So at one point, the, we had more money at this group in Minneapolis because we'd been around the longest and had more people coming. And the leader decided he wanted to buy a ministry center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. This guy's name was Jack Winter, for anybody who wants to know. And he called us and said, well, I'll write out a check for $50,000 to buy this property in Tulsa. Well, we got together with the permanent staff who were the voting members. Right. And we talked it over and decided it was not appropriate to buy this place for $50,000 in Tulsa. And we had reasons why we didn't think it was the right thing to do. Okay. And so we voted not to do it. Oh, dear. And then a, a friend of mine, God bless him, he helped. He was one of our original elders in the early 80s. Yeah. He was kind of in charge of the money. You would know him. But anyhow, he called Jack Winter and said, no, we're not going to do it. We don't think it's right. Good. Uh, we had a vote. You know well, what? I can't imagine that went well. No. He said, you're not hearing from God. Write the check anyhow. Oh, dear. You're not hearing from God. I am. Because his thinking, the 501c3 and the voting membership was just to get the IRS off our backs. Right, it's just a formality. Yeah, the, the real will of God was revealed personally to him. Well, what happened then was the guy, he was the first one to leave. He resigned then. The guy who was, I think, had the most wisdom of anybody around there. Yeah. He resigned and went back and started, started a business. And eventually the thing fell apart within about a year. Right. That's sort of where the rubber beats the road. Is the will of God revealed to a person or is it through ordinary means where people whose lives and money is invested in it 
are making a decision and voting on it. Right. Well, and all throughout scripture, there's a plurality of elders, and that's for a reason. Well, they, but see, he, his will of God was, God told me to buy the ministry center in Oklahoma. And there's no way of proving that or disproving it. It's just somebody saying something. It was right because of who he was, the top leader of our group. Right. Okay, so it was really more like Rome, where you have the Pope says something, then that's the will of God, if he's sitting in the seat of Peter. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of where my background is in this whole thing. Okay. Well, get down to what most people aren't in a group like that, but they maybe have pastors that say things like that. Right. God told me to buy a bigger building, or God told me that we're supposed to move to a certain city and start a ministry there. You hear the same sort of thing. And so the perfect will of God is supposedly something different. But as I'm saying, in Romans 12, 2, good, acceptable, and perfect apply to the will of God. And the will of God that will be transformative and renew our mind and cause us not to be conformed to the world is the moral will of God revealed in Scripture. Right. And that's ultimately that we repent and believe the gospel. Right. And follow the revealed will of God in scripture. Right. But the idea that, no, this is some special will you get by revelation. Well, so now we're going to be transformed and not conformed. By the way, that's a really good way to translate that in the Greek. Then Mm -hmm. it's through some special revelation, not the revealed will of God, the secret things that are, it's a secret thing rather than that which is revealed. Deuteronomy 29, 29. So conformed and transformed are good ways of translating it. And Dr. Mu, I did some look at the scholarship on this. Dr. Mu's commentary says, quote, approving the will of God means to understand and agree with what God wants of us with a view of putting it into practice. So that would be, of course, what's revealed. Prove. In the Greek is dokimazo. That's a word I really like. Mm-hmm. The word that was used for assaying metals to see if something somebody's trying to sell you gold, if it really is gold. Okay. Or putting something to test to prove its true character. And so how do you know what the will of God is? Well, we get together and search the scriptures to see if these things are true, like the Bereans. Right. If it's revealed then we can know if it's true or not from Scripture, and we can put it to the test. But if somebody says, God told me, how do you put that to the test? You can't. There's no, there's no proving that at all. They just said it. It's just a claim right out of nowhere. God told me this is the way it's going to be, and I know what God's voice sounds like and feels like, and that's what we got to do. So now you're bound to something that you can't possibly put to the test. And how do you test this inner still small voice or perfect will? Well, the way they usually do is based on the outcome. How did it work out? Which, as we've talked about in previous episodes, is just providence. What actually happened in history is providence. Right. And we know that some bad things happened to people who we know heard from God. Right. So you can't really put a pragmatic test to it and call that proving what the will of God is. 
Yep. A lot of people who reject Christ and reject the gospel and don't believe the Bible make decisions based on who knows what and are successful at it. Right. Being okay. successful in this life doesn't mean you've followed some perfect will of God. We are about out of time for today. So we are going to come back next week and discuss the proof text for direct revelation from God. That is 1 Kings 19.12. In the King James Version, it says, still small voice. So come back next week and we will address this topic of the still small voice. We want to remind you that you can listen to this episode and many others as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. For Critical Issues Commentary, this has been Jessica Kramis and Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.